Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Woke by Accident podcast. It is a weekly chat about socially conscious topics impacting the culture. I'd like to extend my gratitude in you listening to this podcast. It means everything to me, and I hope it is clear that this subject matter is so important to me. I care about our people, our future, and making a positive change in this nation. This episode is powered by Poddex. Do you find it difficult to come up with content ideas for your podcast? Or perhaps you've gotten stuck during an interview with a guest where you just have nothing more to ask. Try Poddex today. Poddex is the best all-in-one podcast idea generation tool. You get everything from episode ideas to interesting conversation starters for interviews, engaging discussions for your live streams, and even social media content ideas. With this tool, you don't have to spend weeks trying to come up with content for an episode or unique questions for your guests. Just shuffle the cards, pick one at random, hit the record button and get started. Now you can make better content, have more fun while you're at it, and get your viral moment all with Poddex. Head over to poddex.com and use code C4C. So welcome to another episode of Woke by Accident podcast. Today we have a special guest, Crash Barboza, who is a recording artist and social activist and influence from Los Angeles, California. I'm really excited to have Crash on the show today. He is someone who speaks his mind about the issues he is passionate about and has a great following on social media. He also comes highly recommended. Shout out to Jay. And welcome to the show, Crash. How are you? Oh, really good. Um, yeah, so uh, glad to have you on, and I wanted to find out about the things that you're working on and the things that you've been involved with. On your profile, you describe yourself as an anti-racist, um, so I was curious for to you to share more about that. Um, the definition, and to be very clear, right, as in, of being anti-racist means you intervene if you see racism. You don't just, mm-hmm. like, you know, turn the other cheek. You don't just you know, look the other way. You don't give it a pass. Like, on, to be honest with you, last night I was actually out and I had a younger homie of mine with me and somebody used a term as if it was okay and I had to get involved and I was like, it's not okay to do that. And, like, I had to very directly, you know, intervene in that and yeah. very peacefully and, like, just calmly be like, that created harm. And he's like, well, he didn't say anything. I'm like, he's not going to, but I'm going to because that's, you know what it is and that's not okay and the dude was like i respect that like shook my hand and apologized and so to me being anti-racist means if you see anything racist like you have to actively dismantle that idea like you can't allow it to exist around you i love Mm -hmm. when i see white people claim they're anti-racist and then they go you know hang out with their family members or even their boss and they hear all kinds of hate speech and they just look the other way and to me that's wild um that's not anti-racism So anti-racism very explicitly to me is a very direct intervention in racism. If you see racism, you're very directly intervening in it to make sure it does not exist. You're not giving it a safe haven and whatnot. Definitely. Their silence is, you know, speaks volumes, actually, you know, I feel. So um, kudos to you for doing that. Uh, What do you think about white people who say they don't see color or things like that? those people are racist 
because mm -hmm. to say you don't see color is not only a neoliberal escape route from accountability or any type of like to me it's a white lash response too like it's a lot of older people will say things like that because that's always been a good way to say i'm not racist but that's not really enough anymore right where okay. it's like no one needs you know people's tears or guilt or fragility they need help they need your voice they need your actions to speak your words so like when people are like oh i'm I'm colorblind and I think a lot of people are, it's like, to me, that's the Joe Biden, like, let's all meet in the middle and, you know, pass some infrastructure bills with no human infrastructure in it and, you know, raise police funding, even though that's what we said we weren't going to do. And let's mm -hmm. double up on, you know, ice and let's just deflect accountability entirely. So to me, it's a very typical thing to hear from the white neoliberal and, uh, it's really problematic. So my opinion on people who say that is that they're very, very racist. And their reason they're saying that is to deflect their racism. Otherwise they would have a conversation about it, right? <laughs> right. And then um, tell us about some of the social justice activism um, efforts that you've been involved in. I guess my audience may not be familiar. And I know I'm not familiar with everything that you've been involved with. I know that you've done some efforts with Initiate Justice, but what are some of the other social justice movement items that you've done? I've worked with most nonprofit and non-government like, organizations that mean anything i've worked with the aclu i've worked mm -hmm. with blm obviously initiate justice as you said um i've also had to work with the um white groups of uh abolitionists there's like organizations of segregated like white orgs where they're um like anti-racist that they are using the Anne braden program to train activists to be anti-racist and to teach them okay. about abolition i think it's strange though because we're talking about white people, right, who have a whites-only sign at their door for collective liberation, and no group that isn't white has a anything-only sign on their door. And so I've always brought up that that is problematic, so I no longer yes. work with those groups, because to me, that's just, it's not progress. That's backwards movement. To me, it's wild. Um, I don't see how that's helping anybody either, because it's keeping people in a state of fragility where it isn't productive because they're not interacting with the people they claim that they're speaking for and advocating for. They never even had a conversation outside of something related to working with an organization, um, you know, out in their lives outside of, you know, a workplace setting, very literally. So to me, that's problematic. And I don't see how that can continue and cycle into anything more than a festering, like, cycle of, um, the best way to describe it would really be just, I would say, toxic fragility, where it's very promoted yeah. to just, you know, kind of be like, this is really hard on me. And like, it's like, but can you imagine what it would be like if it was, if you weren't white, you know what I mean? And so to me, like, there, it really isn't a pass on that. Um, so that's how I feel about that. Uh, other works I've worked with, though, is I've worked with Amnesty. I think I said I've worked with um the UN on a few things. I mean, I've worked with overseas orgs. I I'm, I try yeah. to do as much as I can. You know, if I'm asked to do something, I try to do it. If it's not putting me over capacity, I will. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I really, lately it's just been great to work with Initiate Justice because that's where I feel most um, at home, probably. Like, that's where it feels most like it's a family as of right now. 
Okay. And you mentioned the abolitionist movement. So you agree with that school of thought to abolish the prison system and policing prisons. Um, yes. I honestly take it further than that. I want to abolish uh, animal production. Like, mm-hmm. I think oppression should be intersectional at the level where we should be. I think there needs to be a larger conversation around um, the, you know, misogynistic rape culture that's promoted in America. Like, it's very femicidal in nature. So that's intersectional abolition to me. It's like we have to abolish that level of oppression. I think the court system needs to be abolished, to be honest, because the mm. design of that system is very, um, very well designed to do what it does. And I don't think there's a way to rewire something that was designed to work exactly perfectly for very specific people. I think we, that's something that would have to just be worked out from scratch without 1776 ideas in it. Mm. And that that's a good point. I mean, like, how are you going to restructure or abolish prisons without doing anything about the court system? Like you said, so that kind of goes hand in hand. It definitely would need to be reworked or something, if, you know, under that particular understanding. So that's interesting. Uh, what inspired you to get involved in this matter? All these organizations, you mentioned Amnesty and UN and Black Lives Matter and just what it was inspiration for that. Um, those were all different issues usually that I was working on, which is interesting. So it's like with Amnesty, it was kind of the first thing I was doing with that was uh, the first time the ICE thing started to happen in the United States, or at least in California, where there was a lot of pushback around that. And it was really hard to get ICE out of California. This was yeah. years ago. Um, so that was when I was working with them. I worked with um, a lot of different campaigns before that. Even when I was a minor, like I did, you know, prop aid organizing and like, you know, protesting and stuff like that. And like I did a lot of things while I was in school that was very literally just organizing. So I think it's always been kind of part of who I am to put, mm-hmm. like, I'm not a bystander. So if I see something that's bad, I'm going to try to help. And I, that's just who I am. And so I think that kind of mixed with a lot of the ideas that I was raised with and not raised with just as importantly and my own like quest for truth ever since I was a very very young kid kind of guided me in a direction of that where it was half you know nature half nurture and I just ran towards every fire I saw in my whole life kind of. (laughs) Hmm. Now you're also a strong advocate for mental health Uh, why is this so important to you? I'm disabled so I'm disabled due to having bipolar disorder and I've been disabled since I was 25, like very, you know, I'm totally impermanently disabled and that's, um, it's invisible. A lot of people can't tell because I play to my strengths. I speak and whatnot and what have you, right? And that makes me look very normal. It makes me look very social when I'm out in you know, public and whatnot. And uh, so that's why it's important to me because there's a lot of people that are dying every day because they don't have help and there's a huge level of medical apartheid that exists and i mean that very Mm. literally in our society and that's another thing that needs to be abolished is the medical industrial complex because that's so oppressive in nature that it's 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 not consciousable you know what i mean so it's it's a like i mean the u.s prison system being the world's or the not the world's but the united states it's you know, major mental health provider is a staggering statistic. And I don't think anyone should be okay with it. And no one's really talking about it. And so to me, 
mental illness is really important to break the stigmas down on because the problem is, and this is a problem with patriarchy and other things as well, is that we can't talk about our feelings. We're told not to, we're told to be strong. We're told to move through things and we're just weighing ourselves down and hurting ourselves and people die. I mean, bipolar people are killing themselves all the time. I hear about activists and organizers who are killing themselves in other states and like I'm not hearing a lot of organizations talk about that and even the ones they work with and it's just to me really tragic that there's an oversight like that because it's like where where's the solidarity when people are dying because they feel like they're alone or they're isolated right and so to me it's really important to advocate for mental health because it's something people need to be aware of but it's also something I want people to have treated with care because that's the that's the real difference like if you look at somebody who suffers from mental illness they're always 100% of the time either doing good or bad based on the kind of care they're getting whether it's you know like a doctor could be a neurologist and just tell them this is what's wrong with your brain and live with it or a doctor could be like here's what's wrong with you but that doesn't make you wrong it just means you have to be aware of this and here's a caring way to approach it and I think it's just more about humanizing people right and we're not doing that enough so Mm -hmm. like for me that's very intersectional with everything in regards to social justice and to in regards to solidarity and collective liberation and abolition and everything we're all trying to strive for I'm really I really love to point out how important it is that we acknowledge, you know, disability. I see a lot of people talk about it on flyers the same way politicians will give it a quick mention when they're campaigning. But at the end of the day, 25% of the United States population is, you know, on some form of disability. And this is something they really just brush over. Like it ain't no big, you know? And so to me, it's very important to advocate for because people die and it's tragic and it's, it, it, it shouldn't happen. It doesn't happen like that in other countries where this is acknowledged. Um, mm-hmm. And we also have a predatory, I mean, like I'm now I'm ranting about that, the, like illness and like the problems systematically with that, but it's mm-hmm. important to acknowledge like big pharma's role in this is really problematic. They're not creating cures. They're creating things that are still from the seventies and just rebranding them, trying to turn a profit, using humans as guinea pigs, very literally and testing on prisoners like we can't be okay with that and Mm. then you know you're buying the same medication in france for what someone on medicare here is going to pay for medication here you're dead if you have medication that's expensive most of it is i mean it blows my mind being disabled that's something i have is medicare and so it's like i'll look at a receipt for like a medication i'm prescribed and i'm like oh my god you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it will be for something small too it'll be like twelve hundred dollars i'm like what kind of racket are they running even at Medicare? That's something worth bringing up where it's like doctors say they don't, but they really do. Like if they see that you have Medicare, they run the tab up. And I don't know who's oh. talking to who on that, but they're like, yep, the government's paying for it. Prescribe the most expensive thing. Okay. So it's definitely see a relation there. It's it's not... yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I never thought about it that way. Wow. That's deep. That's really deep. Yeah, that definitely needs to be changed because that's problematic. Totally. Totally. Yeah, it, it's it, it's a serious thing. And then like there's a lot no one talks about because a lot of people don't know and no one needs to know. It's like 
no one needs to read the Americans with Disabilities Act. It's younger mm-hmm. than I am. But like at the end of the day, there's a lot of things in there that are probably like people don't talk about where it's if you're disabled, you lose your health care if you have more than two thousand dollars in your checking account at one time for a consistent month. No matter who you are, they mm-hmm. take your health care. And it's not about the money they give you or whatever, which is very little. So it's forced poverty at that point, right? Because you you can't really work. If you make a certain amount of money, they take your health care away. Like, so it's, it's, it's like you have to trust private sector health care and your ability to afford that and be okay as a disabled person that won't like have a, for somebody who has mental health issues, you really don't want to, you know, put all your cards on the table or anybody who has anything that has, you know, good days and bad days, quote unquote, which is most disabled people, I would say, like, you know, Mm -hmm. there's a real level of access problems there where, you know, we're looking at a world where even in LA, I think less than 2% of buildings are actually wheelchair accessible. Like Mm -hmm. that, these, these, this is shocking when housing is supposed to be a human right for disabled people as well. And then how are they supposed to access that housing if they very literally can't access it, like physically? Like this is, it, to me, it's wild how much physical space isn't available to other mm-hmm. disabled people. So it's important to note that I can't advocate for the entire disabled community because I have different accessibility needs than somebody who can't walk or somebody who is, you know, has issues hearing or seeing. Like these are completely different things, but they're all kind of umbrellaed under quote unquote ex- accessibility or, and it's like, what does that really mean though? You know, where's the line and how is that enforceable? And the problem is the ADA is not enforceable. It's never enforced or it would be, and you wouldn't see forced poverty existing because it's very well written into law that people shouldn't be spending any money on rent if they're living on a fixed income. But now have you ever thought about going into politics or something to try to make some change in the legislation? I try my best to work with legislation and talk with as many politicians and have open dialogues with them as I can. However, I don't think me running for office is where I'm needed. Mm-hmm. I think I don't think we need more white cis men um, <laughs> just running America. In my opinion, I just don't think that's progress. Even if I have a neck tattoo, that's just a new coat of paint, right? Like it's not really... Uh, okay. that, I, I just I think it, I think in 2021 we've had enough of the cis white dude in Congress. Yeah, that's where I'm at with that. So that's the reason. That's the reason why. It's or is it just not in your heart? It's, just, it's, just... I, it's more. I'd rather have more representation in government for people mm-hmm. who don't look like it, more or who look less like the founding fathers. You know what I mean? Like it's like the, these issues won't be addressed like certain issues like systematic racism, right? If we're going to talk about that, it's like that won't really be addressed until the people, like everybody always says, especially within abolition, the people closest to the problems are closest to the solutions, right? And so to me, it's just not really, I mean, yeah, I'm close to the problems, but at the same time, like, I don't think I look like a solution, you know, if I'm in office, that's just, how I see it it's just it's a weird thing where it's not like out of like I don't want to do that because I don't want to step out of bounds it's more like 
to be honest, if I'm a politician, I have to be really nice to cops. You know what I mean? Like that's part of your job. Like you have a daily meeting with cops. You know what I mean? Like police right. units. Like, I just don't want to do that either. Like let's be real. I just can't. <laughs> so it's like that's for somebody who's like way like they haven't got their teeth knocked out by LAPD or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like that. That's okay then. Like but like I just I I can't shake I can't shake the dude's hand. You right. Know you I mean? were telling me about that. Um. So I'm running with the police that caused your tooth to get knocked out. You told me when we were talking before that your tooth got knocked out mm-hmm. when you were in a, by the police. Mm-hmm. Yikes. With, so, with, a wep- with a firearm, yeah. So were they, like, they didn't pulling shoot you me. over? They, oh, no. They they literally dragged me out of my home, said I wasn't being detained, said that they had heard oh. I was uh, having... Uh, suicidal thoughts that's what they like to do with the disabled people or whatever people who have known mental health history like they can just kind of show up and say someone anonymously it's less like liberal with that now where they can just mm. do whatever but i would say like you know six years ago was a little bit different and yeah no they dragged me out of my apartment though and like it was literally like hey we heard uh you're you know thinking about suicide so we came to make sure you're okay and i'm like mm, please leave my property and they're like we can't do that you you're you know a social worker called us i'm like who like i don't have a social worker i don't mm-hmm. even talk to them i wish i had a social worker can you get me one like can you do some public service or something they're like detain him you know what i mean and it was immediate oh, wow. and, then they were, and then they were like oh and you're like crash but oh okay and i'm like you know that what are you doing here you know what i mean and it was like it was a situation so yeah i was uh I was I was not arrested technically. I was just handcuffed and oh, kidnapped. Gotcha. That's what okay. by, that's what happened by definition. I mean, I continuously was asking them, "Am I being detained?" They're like, "No." I'm like, "Why am I handcuffed?" They're like, "Well, for your safety and for ours." Mm. And I'm like, "Okay, uh, that sounds like I'm being." They're like, "Now we're gonna walk." I'm like, "So we we're going in the cop car now," and I'm still not arrested. They're like, "You're still not under arrest," and I'm like, "And I'm not being detained." And they're like, "No." I'm like, "Then how am I being forcibly taken into a?" please be a go and i'm like where are we going and they're like we can't tell you that i'm like okay so now we're really deep into a like lot of we're talking about like if you were a civilian we're talking about kidnapping we're talking about you know this is a serious thing you all are doing right now like you can't you have to arrest me at this point for it to be remotely legal they did it and they did not like that and so yeah they decided to beat me with the pistol instead oh wow i'm sorry you had to go through that that's awful it's okay. That is very awful. People have been through worse. People have been they through have. worse. So, they have. Yeah. But yeah, that's, you know, it doesn't make it okay either. Um, but yeah, um, you are a musician also. So is that where your true passion lies with music? Um. Yeah, I love, no, I would say it's actually within, honestly, it's within the work I think to do. Is with, it? You know, abolition. I yeah, I think, I think I love that more, honestly. And that's mm-hmm. a weird thing, right? But it, so it's been hard for me, honestly, to balance um, my music with what I'm doing. To, like, you know, it's like, I feel like lyrics can only change the world so much. Like, mm-hmm. I have this saying I always use. Uh, I don't know. I think there's similar ones, but I'm pretty sure I have this one where it's like I invented it or whatever. You know, and it's like the world can't change, will never change because of art. But without art, the world will never change. Like, and I, I think there's a lot of truth mm-hmm. to that. Like, art mm-hmm. will never be the ball that starts rolling. But it will, it, but culture is super important to any type of change. And I think yes. art and culture are 
synonymous. And so to me, it's interesting to have to balance between, especially a toxic industry like hip hop, where it's like, I'm talking about liberation in this space where a lot of people are giving me a sideways look, you know, because now it's like, they're like, what do you mean the patriarchy? You know what I mean? Like people are, in, I'll put it this way, not every rapper's a fan of this, you know, patriarchy movement. And like, we're not going to use these words anymore. They're like, crash, we hate you. Like, they're not saying that, mm. but they, they might, they're going to be, and it's funny. And like, you can see people getting like frustrated with it because it's like, you know, they're losing, they, not losing anything. It's more that they're like, they feel like they get use certain content or they might get mm-hmm. and then like you have to stop worrying about it too, too many people are worried about cancel culture but that's a sidebar like conversation but it's like that's not what anyone's even talking about i'm just saying i'm not gonna do that and people still try to feel some type of way but like with my album i'm working on it's about how to organize okay. it's very academic in that sense it's like a book form so it's been hard to balance between that and then the actual work i do because they're kind of one in the same and um, in a place of like constantly bouncing back and forth. So I'm now wrapping up the album, which is great. And I'm very focused on that because it's uh, otherwise I'm just on soup calls and then trying to write on soup calls. And then I'm like, yeah, actually, I don't like that verse anymore because I just heard about this. You know what I mean? And it's like, how okay. many times am I going to paint over a masterpiece? Like, I have to stop doing it. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. And how long have you been doing music? Um, I've been making music since I was 18. And so like I had, oh, I, I've wow. been, I've just been on a four year hiatus, like because of a lot of different personal reasons, but mostly to do the work and then I, you know, got incarcerated for something I didn't even do. And then I got out and then like I did a, um, and then I just went right back into doing the work and didn't really get back into music until I started this album up again. I was very disenfranchised with music for a little bit just because of how mm-hmm. toxic every, a lot of the like way culture works within music is very, very toxic and predatory. You know, it's like the way um, the executives speak about people and to people. I just was like, mm-hmm. no, I, I can't right now. I'd rather just, you know, do the work and, Never, not even rap anymore and then I was like eh, I miss music because I really love music but right. I, that's why I said I'm like I don't know like I really don't like sometimes I think like I really love this work more than music which is hard to love anything more than me hmm. it seems like it would, it's a good outlet though right for me to <clears throat> get your feelings out and what you're going through especially from the mental health aspect, a good outlet for people that may be feeling something similar. You know, I saw that you did poetry at one point too. Is that kind of, did that develop into yes. the music? Yes. Okay, yeah. Yes, that it was sense. an interesting transition for sure too, because then I had to, I, I think like, I feel like the first two or three years, maybe even longer that I was, you know, rapping, I was writing music and then like, I, I, I was spending more time deleting words and trying to make it fit that I would, you know, because I was so used to just writing poetry and all of a sudden I have to be with a mathematical structure kind of, right, where I like to go against the grain and not mm-hmm. sound like other people, but that's still like, you know, something I had to adjust to and I would say uh, I was very uh, like I would say I wasn't born with like the rhythm I needed to like just go straight into from poetry to rap on a beat like you know what I mean it was very it was more like I had to learn how to write songs and not just poems and like I don't know if anyone really 
talks about that that much, but it's an interesting transition to go through because you're mm-hmm. having to use so many less words. <laughs> yeah, and so we're wrapping it up here, but I wanted to get your thoughts on what you thought some solutions would be to the problems. You know, we talked about how, you know, there's a need for restructure in our prison system, in the court system, you know, what is the solution? I mean, is abolition, you know, abolishing it, you feel like the way, or what is the solution? Well, here's, no one has the solution yet. We need to start talking about the solution more, but when we talk about abolition, I want to note this because it's very important. It's a scare word, right? Like it's a trigger word. A lot of people hear it and they think burn everything down. Like that's a lot of, the right definitely hears that word and that's how they hear it. And it's weird to me because no one's trying to do that. Like it's very literally like, why would you we're not the French, you know, like, it's like, we're not going to do a revolution or something. And then just be like, yeah, power to the people. And then be like, oh my God, we actually needed all these structures and systems. Let's just put different people in charge. It will be fine. And then like, you're back to the thing you rebelled against and the oppressed is now the oppressor or not, Right. And so like, we're not trying to do that as much as it's like, we're trying to replace these things with systems that are based on healing and community Mm and love and like liberation and things that are non-existent to be honest in today's very survival mentality and you know divided society that doesn't need to exist so i it's not about you know dismantling these systems it is but it's about be working the systems and building something better in their place that's more effective and cares for the people and how we're going to go about that is something where we need to have more conversation around that we need to have more representation within government and i think a lot of areas should be more autonomous than they are where like i don't think there should be too much oversight if people want to have their own little community of abolition and like go by their thing that's fine and everybody can find that or i mean there's a million different ways it it would work if it happened tomorrow, if the government was just like, let's have a cheaper thing going on. Cause I want to abolish the U S military too. Imperialism's problem. Like we don't mm. need to, we don't need to have boots on the ground and what 99% of the nation on the planet. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, that's not mm-hmm. a thing that's necessary. I don't um, think that's good. I don't think it's healthy. I think we need to get rid of borders. I think we need to get rid of flags. I think, people really need to be able to access spaces. I don't think you can only put people or um, animals inside of cages or like, I think you can put spaces inside of cages too, very literally. And that happens. Mm -hmm. You see it with America, you see it with every border crisis. And then you see wars started over nothing besides a border. And like, it's other reasons, but it's really a border and a flag that that these wars start over. But if people like had a conversation it wouldn't go down like that. And so to me, I don't think it's healthy for us to be in a place of divisiveness because it will continue to normalize what we call human nature. And I don't think we're very clear on what human nature is. I think that we've always lived in a society that glorified oppression in some way, shape or form and violence and domination of other people and, Mm -hmm. you know, acquiring property. And so I think the less that's normalized and it will take generations of denormalizing that obviously, you know, but it's like when that isn't normalized, when it's not like kill something just because you can eat it, you know, like that probably creates the idea that I should just, you know, maybe kill somebody randomly. Like when we're talking about people who are just 
they say people are born that way like and i'm not so sure i think society is just being so predatory like so predatory in nature is glorified literally in every culture you know dominating your competition yet like every society that is based on any remote form of capitalism glorifies the oppression of other people because if somebody is winning somebody is losing really hard that's kind of how mm -hmm. capitalism mm -hmm. works you know and right. uh yeah so that's what i think i think it's uh those are the solutions are really reworking the system and really reimagining how the system could work and i don't think enough people are doing that as much as people are like we just need to say you know we hate cops we need to do this and it's like what's that do though you know what i mean it's like and i'm not saying a lot of people do that who know what they're doing but there's a lot of irresponsible people who run around just kind of trying to make a statement that doesn't need to be made and it, it it harms the larger group you know it's like people no one and they don't care and this is typically white people who do this and that's what i mean about there being issues when it comes to segregated white anti-racist and abolitionist organizations because that can't be okay mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay and then tell us, you mentioned that you're working on music. Um, how can people um, or find your music and get in contact with you if they would like to do so? Um, right now, I'm on a social media hiatus to focus, okay. but, I, but my Instagram's at Crash Barbosa, and I'll be back soon. Uh, or, I mean, it's indefinite, but I'm sure I'll be back soon enough. Like, my album's very close to me, and I'm just focusing on some things. So you can find my music by googling me pretty much a lot of my catalog is not up anymore because i okay. want my album to be like highlighted i honestly thought the album would be out like four months ago then i started working on full of the i do too much at once and so people really could just find information about me uh, from my instagram from um just addy be i be a pretty accessible person right now i'm not because my instagram i'm not logging into but usually i'll try to respond to every dm i get and whatnot so uh yeah that's a good way for anyone to find my content i'm pretty sure all my music links are still on that page like i don't think i deleted anything like that so yeah um that's usually the best way to do it my website's being built right now and i have to rework that too because the clothing part so like a lot of things with the clothing kind of maybe have to pivot a little bit but yeah mm -hmm. adapt and evolve right so yeah people can always just find me on instagram at crash barbosa anywhere else you know like if there's probably if there's you know oppression happening i'm somewhere around there you know like making sure nobody's put in danger and things like that so yeah awesome. <laughs> definitely anything else you want us to know or anything else you want to share not necessarily not outside of the fact that like i really would love just just say that I appreciate you having me on and that I really love that Jay uh, put us in touch. I think yeah. I got through this without cussing once, which I really <laughs> love. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> I appreciate that. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I got you. I was like, I'll try. I, I think I got you. Like, thank you for telling me, though. You know, like, if I, did, if I would have been like, yep. Like, <laughs> All right. Well, that okay. Well, I appreciate you for stopping through Welcome by Accident podcast. Uh, you're welcome here anytime, and we look forward to great things that you'll be doing in the future. So, thank you so much. Uh, you're and have welcome. a great rest of your day. You too. Thanks for listening, guys. At this time, we are.
going to go ahead and conclude this episode. We do appreciate you listening. We do invite you to follow us on social media. On Instagram, it is Woke by Accident Podcast. On Twitter, it is Woke by. The Gmail is Woke by Accident at gmail.com. And we are available on all of your favorite streaming platforms. Please go out and follow us, share, leave a review, tell a friend. And every time you listen, we greatly appreciate it. Thank you again and take care. Thank you.